Tamara Ghazi is a good friend and the founder of DISC, Diversified Integrated Sports Clinic, right here in Dubai. She became passionate about preventative care due to her involvement in sports and health awareness at a very young age. She's completed her undergrad studies at the University of Toronto in Canada with a Bachelor of Sciences in Human Biology. She then went on to graduate from Palmer West Chiropractic College in San Jose, California, which is recognized for its sports medicine and research programs. She also completed her board certification in the United States and in Canada. She loves building communities, long distance running, so you heard a lot about that today, and really anything active. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. This message is for the guys. While I believe in seeking discomfort in a lot of areas of my life, there are certain ones where I'll never sacrifice comfort. And that's why I wear Undergoods. Undergoods is a Dubai-based, homegrown brand of ridiculously comfortable underwear. And it was started by two great guys who were just sick of paying for overexpensive, uncomfortable, and low-quality underwear. I've been wearing it for both my runs and my regular work days, and I absolutely love them. It's so soft, it's sustainable, and they come in three different fits, fitted, long-fitted, and relaxed. I also got my hands on some limited edition prints, which are super cool. So go to undergoods.com and use discount code foreverstudent for 20% off. That's undergoods.com spelled U-N-D-R. It's basically under without the E. And then G-O-O-D-S. Tamara, welcome to The Forever Student. Thank you. It's good to be here. Finally. Thank you for the coffee. Oh, yeah. yeah I think <laughs> I'm, it was, I'm fully awake now. <laughs> for both of us, I think it was necessary after our, run, after our runs this morning. Yes. First question I have for you, and then it'll just be an open conversation, is how did you get into health and wellness? Um, I always wanted to be in healthcare uh, as a kid. I think growing up here, you're either a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. Most Arab kids <laughs> come from that background, but um, I always I love people, so I'd say that's where my health journey started. Uh, I was always interested in an alternative healthcare in terms of my career because I found I just don't fit into the mainstream healthcare lifestyle. I never saw myself working at a hospital and. You know, when you put things out to the universe, they come towards you. So I met a chiropractor. She's still practicing in Abu Dhabi. And she was like, oh, my God, this is like the best profession. You know, you get to help people with your hands. It's something that's amazing. And the more she spoke about it, I was so intrigued. Um, so I started researching uh, both chiropractic and school, shadowing doctors. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. But at the same time, my movement journey was coming about. I mean, I grew up here. There wasn't much in school. Like I did a bit of swimming, but I was always, always known as the sporty one, even though it was so minor. Um, so I went to college and kept pursuing this, this dream of mine. Like, oh, I want to do something where I get to work with people. I love people. I love connecting. I love humans. And I want to see how I can help people um, in, in terms of their health. So I decided to apply to chiropractic school. I just wanted to get out of Canada, go somewhere warm. I got accepted to one of the best sports medicine schools, which is called Palmer West Chiropractic in San Francisco. Um, and undergrad was really tough on me. Uh, mentally, um, emotionally, I was really young. It was super intense. How old were you um, at this point? I, I went to undergrad when I was 16. 
I turned 17, like three months later, but I was in Canada. It was a big change uh, from the beautiful bubble that I grew up in. Uh, family is super, super, you know, loving and giving and and living in the UAE. I mean, you grow up with a, with a golden spoon in your mouth for a lot of us. I wouldn't say for everyone, but for a lot of us. So I was really, really lucky. And then I went to college and was like, woof, big culture shock. Uh, you know, you're, you're thrown kind of into the big world. It wasn't a college city. It's a big city, you know, so just getting used to everything and kind of losing myself in it. And I lost fitness. I lost my fitness in that. I, I wasn't doing much. Um, and then when I went to chiropractic school, everyone around me was like running and, you know, playing ice hockey and doing all these awesome things. And I just felt quite left out. Um, so I remember that I signed up for a 10K race and um, I killed it, but then I couldn't walk for like <laughs> two or three weeks. And then I got treated at school and I was like, magic, you know, like it was an SI joint inflammation because my body was not used to that. And that's just been the start of my fitness journey. I think it, it, I realized how much it brought me out of out of that sadness and that loneliness that I was feeling when I lived in Canada, um, giving me structure, giving me like purpose, uh, making me feel better. And, uh, you know, you're growing in that age, you, your hormones are changing, all of these things are happening to you. Um, and I realized like not having fitness just gave me no structure. Uh, if I can go back to my undergrad self, I would tell myself to, you know, find something that made me happy. But I think I was just really discovering myself and who I was and finding who I was in relationship to the world. So I'm so lucky that my career kind of pushed me. They kind of like realigned with each other. And the more I learned about the human body and the regenerative power of the human body, it was, I was just in awe. And I think when you go to school, they teach you so much about what we call straight chiropractic. It's just very... It's like going, a lot of people, you go to medical school, you go to anything and then you go to real life and you're like, what? Like every person is so unique that you can barely apply what you learned. Um, you have to really look at the individual as a whole. And that's the great thing I find about my profession is quite holistic. You, you can't just look at a problem from where it is. Like somebody comes in, you need to know their their lifestyle, how they do, how they move. But, you know, I always ask someone, tell me about your, like, what do you do in the day? You know, if they come in with back pain, because I need to know, are they, are they sedentary? Are they standing? Are they driving for long periods of time? You know, is their food terrible? Do they not sleep at all? Like these things all contribute to someone's perception of pain and how they express and experience pain, because pain is the feeling. Um, it's not actually like, I'm in pain and pain is just a biomechanical dysfunction all the time. No, pain is actually a sensation. It's a trigger. It's a, something that your mind expresses to your body and your body kind of expresses that to you because there's something that you need to do differently. It doesn't always mean that you're damaged or, you know, and that's what I think people perceive pain as because we're not taught to, to understand what pain is. It's not something that we're, we're taught to be happy. We're taught to be sad. We're taught other emotions, but pain is considered technically a bad emotion. And we're never really taught to associate that as anything else. So learning that over time was so interesting and, and relating that to how one feels not only physically, but mentally and emotionally, that all kind of came into my health and fitness journey. 100%. And like after you finished your studies, how did you then go about, you know, looking at your next move? So I practiced in California for two years. I, I knew I kind of eventually wanted to come back here. Um, what I did in terms of holistic care was quite new in the UAE. There wasn't many doctors here. So I thought, you know, wow, it would be great to go back, give back to my community. I wanted to be in the Arab world. I'm Arab. Like I, I missed my culture. I missed my roots. I learned so much there. I started trail running. Um, when I was practicing there, I worked with an amazing, amazing doctor. She's still my mentor. I love her so much. But uh, she she got me into trail running and I found like it gave me so much discipline and 
it really took me out of bad times. I went through some really tough times uh, just in my personal life and emotionally. And every time I go out and hit the trails, I'm like, oh, it's just like feels like the best feeling in the world. It's better than a late night out, better than anything, you know, just feeling physically strong. I started loving my body more, how I looked, how I felt, how I, you know, I slept so much better. So it's just overall feeling great. And so um, after those two great years, um, I decided that, you know, it, the way that they practice medicine also in the U.S. wasn't really my thing. Um, a lot of, a lot of paperwork and a hmm. lot of politics. So I decided to come back here and, uh, I also practiced here for two years and, uh, and then I decided to open DISC because I found a big lack, like a gap in the market, let's say. Uh, there's a lot of great practitioners, but I'm very much about real multidisciplinary care. It's what I always studied. It's what I always saw. And I always looked up to that because I really believe in the power of a community. And even as a practitioner, you only know so much. And till this day, I mean, I was just telling you, I was in a seminar for like 10 hours yesterday and I learned so much. And I, I was telling the, the instructor, I'm like, oh my God, like I've been doing this for 12 years and you think you know so much, but sometimes when you study this was like neurological chiropractic neurology. And I'm very much about musculoskeletal and it's so different, you know, and it was, it was amazing. I'm like, wow, I want to do more of this. I'd see a different, completely different kind of patient base if I did neurology. So you're always learning, you're always growing. And that's also something I realized is the power of a team is that you get so many different people and there's, there's no standard approach to care because people are so different. Our patients are so different. And maybe I don't connect to someone. And care also comes from an emotional connection. You know, you need somebody to trust you. Uh, so when my patients come in, if I don't connect with them or a new patient comes in, I don't connect with them. I know I have an entire team to be able to provide that patient with the kind of care that they need. And that's the first thing actually I look into when I, when someone comes to me the first time, can I connect with this person? Do I feel like I can give them the care that they, they need and that they deserve? Because patients, then they so he's a consumer, but somebody's actually making the time and effort to come to see you. And I feel so grateful for that. But I need to give a hundred percent. So that's why I really wanted to, to start a, what I'd like to call like an integrated community. And uh, I met some great practitioners here, physios, chiros, osteos, uh, sports medicine doctor. And uh, my business partner was actually my patient. And I was telling him about the idea and we were so aligned in terms of what we did. And also talking about the power of community. You know, I told him, I, I love my job. I love what I do. And I never want to lose myself in the business because I want to be a doctor. And I don't want, I need someone to run the show for me. And so we ended up aligning with that and we started the clinic eight years ago. And here we are eight years later with over 85 employees <laughs> and growing. So, and I was just telling you before also, like I keep looking at, I keep forgetting like the power and of our team and our system, uh, but it's really been amazing. And I learn so much every day, you know, I learn every day. I learn from, from my team. I learn from my patients. I learn from the community. I learned about how much, you know, we evolve. COVID was a big lesson. It made us realize how much we we need to appreciate our, and value our health. As much as we do, we take things for granted. And COVID made, I know, a lot of people who really suffered badly from COVID. And I really, I'm so grateful. But I think one of the reasons, you know, I didn't have any of those long COVID or this, you know, a lot of people really, really still carry the after effects of COVID with them. Well, it's just the fact that I love to be outside and I love movement and the sun, you know, like that's one thing we'll talk about running later. But yeah. the, the one thing that I think that really brings me health is being able to connect with nature and be outside and and running, you know, really, really helps me ground myself. And it's one of the reasons I feel like when you're when you physically have that strength, you also become mentally strong and very resilient. Yeah, totally. And we can speak about that in a bit. I think what could be interesting is when you look at 
your journey as a business owner, mm-hmm. like what are some key lessons that you've learned specifically at the start and then like also maybe over time? At the start, it was, I mean, you kind of feel invincible, you know, you have this idea and you're like, oh, it's going to work. It's, you know, it's definitely going to work. And, you know, everyone was like, did you do a, a what do you call it? A, did you do a study? Did you look at the market? And I'm like, what? There's no market. I mean, the market, every human being has a spine and that's, that's my market. So uh, there wasn't really much competition when I opened here eight years ago. There was a, a three or four really good clinics, really well reputable clinics. And but I'm like, no, you know, I want to come and, and give them a run for their money. And and you know, I love competition. Competition drives me both in sport and and in practice and life. You know, and I think I love knowing what's out there, and I love knowing how I can evolve and progress. And my biggest theory and philosophy in life is if you're if you're not evolving, you're dead. You know, I always like to grow. I like to evolve. Sometimes it's actually harms me because I feel like when I'm bored or I'm stationary or I'm stable, I'm like, I, I need more. Like I'm, I'm so bored. I can't handle this, you know, which is just my personality, but it definitely gives me a hunger to always grow and, and want more. Uh, but at the beginning, I, I mean, we're really lucky. We're really supported by the community and we really love what we do. I had a small team. We were eight people, but I didn't know much about business and I went in, you know, head in and my partner also did so much, um, but we learned so much actually about business. And if I can go back in time, I definitely want to learn more about running a business because you can have so much passion, but if you don't know how to manage operations, um, you know, we never had HR, we never, we never had proper admin. We just did everything on our own. And, and out of the love for what we did and love the community had for us, we were successful. And it's okay if you're like a five, six person team, but the more you grow, the more you realize it's a system. And this is why sometimes when like I find people are always like, excuse my language, bitching about their government. I'm like, man, you don't know how hard it is to manage a system in a population. And there's always something, we all have our own opinion, but if you're not happy living in a community, go live alone in the forest and do your own thing. You know, <laughs> Like it's so hard to live in a community because there has to be rules. There has to be respect. There has to be law. You know, there's the law to create order. It's it's so hard that, that we're civilized as, as humans, but it is really, really tough when you start working with a team because you're all individual and you have to understand and respect each individual's wants and needs and, and whatnot. So I didn't know any of this in the beginning. We really just worked out of love and I love my team so much and they love me. And, and it was a bit too, we were too much of a family. And that's one thing I think if I look back, I'm like, wow, I, I mean, you learned that over time. I wouldn't change anything, but we went from being a family to a community. Uh, and we learned that the hard way because when you introduce law and order later on in the system, it's so hard for people to go back. Uh, and it's so funny. Sometimes I tell my mom this thing, like, you know, her and my dad, they've been married for 45 years. And now they're fighting. And she's like, oh, I don't understand why he's like this. I'm like, it's because you got him used to, mm. you know, you never put the law and order from the beginning. So don't expect, uh, you know, uh, the, to teach an old dog new tricks, like it's not going to happen. So with anything in life, I think it's really important to set the ground rules from the beginning, but we didn't know that I was 28 years old. My partner was also super young. We're super passionate about what we did. We just wanted to make a difference in the world. And what drove us was like, I want to bring great healthcare here. I want to give 110%, which also as a business owner is very tough because you just give and give and give and give, and then you don't know the boundaries. I was working six days a week. I was seeing patients, you know, nights and seven every day. And then, you know, with time, things change, of course. Um, but yeah, that's coming into market. It's, it's really important to know 
what's around you, who's around you and who can support you. You know, a business, you need support. You need support from your community. You need support from other businesses. So I love to network in general. So that's one thing that came easy for me. But I find a lot of people come in and they're they're just kind of in their own bubble. And you really need to get out there. You need to know what's out there. You need to know who you can work with and how you can grow together because that's what being in a community is all about. So especially as, as a, I'd say a startup or a small business, you know, you're not coming into the big corporate, but if you're doing your own thing, it's really, really important to have that. Yeah. I think you're like, you're in like the intention that you had for disc, your passion for your love for the community are things that probably made all the difference over the years. hundred percent. Are there any other like characteristics, which you feel like maybe set you apart from, from others? Well, I definitely think I had a good support system who also gave me real feedback. Like I always used to tell my friends and and my patients, like, please tell me when there's something that doesn't make you happy. I don't only want the good. I also want the bad because otherwise I can't improve. I'm going to be sitting with my big ego thinking I'm the best. I'm the best. and, And that's not healthy. Like I'm, I'm okay taking bad feedback. It took me a long time to learn how to do that, but feedback from my team, I, I need to consider everything. doesn't mean I need to, I need to act upon it, but I think that's one thing that always set us apart. What do people want? What am I not providing? What am I lacking with? You know, that's why we also shifted to insurance. For example, one of the first smaller clinics to actually do direct billing, we have to take over 60 insurance companies, but I, I realized the market was changing and everybody, every single person in Dubai who works gets insurance from the company. So People want healthcare, they want good healthcare, and they kind of want it for free. So I moved towards that system when I realized, okay, well, I need to listen to the consumer and what they want. Um, And I realized even though I'm a clinic, a patient is a consumer at the end of the day, I'm selling a service. And that's something I think a lot of people don't realize. Like I need to to provide the best environment for the consumer because even with with the internet and with people traveling, they come to us telling us what they want. Hey, did you do that cupping thing? Like I want needles today. And I'm like, but I'm the doctor, you know, (laughs) I need to decide what you need and what you don't need. But I mean, I am an alternative medicine, but the patient, I look at my dad's generation, for example, like yesterday, my dad came home and he's like, I'm taking antibiotics. And I was like, why? And, you know, he's like, oh, I did the blood test and doctor said he saw something that he didn't like. And so he just gave me a course of antibiotics. So yeah, but do you feel anything? Do you have a fever? Like, no, but the doctor said that. So I'm going to take it. And that's their generation, you know, uh, many generations ahead of us. We are a different generation. Uh, we are the generation that questions everything, you know, we think we know it all. So I have to understand this consumer and what they're exposed to and how I can provide them the best service that they need. So I think that's really what sets the support too. I really try to study the market. I try to understand what people want, what people need, what's out there. And I'm constantly listening and searching for, you know, I'm happy when my friends go elsewhere and they come back with great experiences. I, I want to know. I want to know what people like and what they don't like. And I think in a business, that's really important. Some people get so attached to their customer and consumer, but just as I am a consumer, I mean, Dubai is a, is a small city with a lot of change and it's super fast paced. I'm not loyal to one restaurant. I go to many restaurants. I want variety in them. But now I realize that's what people want. So how do I give them variety? How do I give them change? So once I study what's out there and I study my behavior, then I can understand what my customers want. Yeah, and That's also, one thing I think that really sets us apart. And that's why I love the variety of my practitioners. We're so many different practitioners from around the world. Uh, you know, we have chiros and physios and osteos and sports therapists and kinesio and rehab and, uh, you know, and we're Arab and Greek and Italian. And because, again, there's something for everyone, you know, and I think that's important. Yeah. And the fact that you keep on learning and the fact that you're open minded, I think are it's also so important. 
critical. And then like an example, like your dad, how do you go about, I guess, not influencing his opinion, but like, how do you go about educating someone who might be stuck in his ways or like is, is closed minded or is like, listen, like if the doctor says it, like it must be true. I mean, look, I, I realize also, like, I, I'll never forget the saying, but, you know, you can be the juiciest peach among all the peaches, but there's always going to be someone who doesn't like peaches. So there's nothing <laughs> you can do, you know, like, so it used to kill me back in the day. I'm like, but why don't they want me? You know, why don't they? And I realized, like, just don't want me, like, whatever. I can't, there's nothing I can do about it. I can only influence what I can. And with my dad, like, I tried to do little changes in his physical health to make him the best, but am I going to sit and worry about... Like he wants to take the antibiotics, he take the antibiotics. It's his, he's his own person and I can only influence and impact. And I educate him like, dad, listen, like you're, you're older now and these antibiotics, they can affect your, especially if you take them and take them a lot, you know, they affect, yesterday I was in a vertigo seminar and I'm like, these are drugs that can actually affect your balance. They can affect, because medications can deteriorate your, the hairs in your inner ear that actually control the balance center. Ooh. Things like chronic use of NSAIDs, antibiotics, you know, anti-inflammatory pain meds, uh, known to have really strong side effects. So I just told him, if there's no reason why you should be taking it, you should question what the doctor told you. But again, he's at an age where he lives a little bit in fear, you know? So I'm not going to sit there and if attack him on that. I just want to educate. I want to inspire. And then I tell him, you know, but you, I know you're doing the best that you can. So let's do some movement stuff. Let's help you with your balance in this. You know, I try to, I try to control what I can. Am I going to come and tell him, don't take the antibiotics? God forbid something happens, you know, like for me, I would, I wouldn't, uh, but I, I can't influence someone to that extent. My goal is to educate and to inspire. And it's up to the person to make the best informed decision that they can. I can't force someone. Yeah. Nobody will change by force, right? If somebody comes and imposes something on you, you're not going to want to change. But it's educate, and when you really understand and know something, so if I can explain to my dad, dad, you know that chronic use of antibiotics actually degenerates your inner ear hairs, which are actually control your balance. You're already having issues with your balance. Do you want more issues with your balance? Like you fell a few weeks ago, and you know, and I was like, do you want this again? Like it's so hard to recover from these falls. Try to do like try to understand why. If you're feeling symptoms, hundred percent, go for it. You know, but why do something when you you know? Yeah. And I think one good point you made is you got to lead by example. So if you as Tamara, you know, you work out well, you sleep well, you eat well, you do this, you do that. And like the way that you then are with people 100%. is something that others aspire to be, where it's like, oh my God, she has so much energy. And like, she's so kind, she's so open-minded, she's so this, yeah. so that. Then as a person witnessing that, you're going to start questioning yourself hundred percent, and then whatever you start saying like whenever you start talking about antibiotics or balance or whatever else it may be people are going to listen because yeah. now all of a sudden you've sort of raised the standard in terms yeah of how i live. agree with you hundred percent and you know everybody's on their own journey people are trying to do the best that they can and there's only so much i don't want to impose my way of life on anyone that's one of the reasons i don't like to talk about politics one of the reasons i don't like to talk about religion it's one of the reasons i don't there are things that to each their own. Uh, but the things that I value, I will always preach and you take it or leave it. But I know what makes me feel amazing. And, and if you want to feel amazing, then great. I'm here to help you in any way that I can. And if you're not ready for it, then, you know, peace be with you and you're on your way. But that's all I care about. At the end of the day, our mental health, our physical health, most important thing. My mental health is also so important. So it would kill me as a practitioner. I get this sometimes with patients who come, and they're the kind of patients that just never get better. Mm. And I start taking it 
personally. And I'm like, what, did I, what am I missing? What am I doing wrong? And I could be doing everything, but that person just doesn't want to get better. You know, like you as a person have the ability. I always tell my patients, I'm not healing you. You are healing you. I'm just here to take all the things I've learned and studied and educate and, and become across over the years of experiencing patients to tell you what I think work will work best for you. I'll do my fixing. I'll do my this. I'll do my that. But it's really about the conversation and the connection. And then it's up to you to go do what you do. Because if you're going to sit all day, you're going to eat shit. You're not going to sleep well. No matter what I do, you're not going to feel better. So there's only so much that I can do. And I hope people take this kind of healthcare and apply it to every scope of their life. You know, sometimes people went and like, this doctor did this and that. I'm like, well, yeah, the doctor can only do so much, but it's also up to you to take what they give you as an informed consumer, because we all are informed consumers nowadays. You know, we have access to everything online, research, knowledge. Uh, You can look up anything nowadays, but it's up to you to take that knowledge. The, The actually definition of a doctor is a teacher. Doctor means teacher. Doesn't mean magician. It doesn't mean God. It doesn't mean, you know, it means teacher. As simple as that. So I educate, you take what you can. You know how many patients come to me with things I have no clue about? They educate me about supplements. They educate me about uh, machines. They educate me about so many different things. There's only so much I, as a human being, know. And I'm constantly learning. But this is also what makes my knowledge huge. The fact that I interact with so many different people every day. And they're like, you know, check this out. And you try this. And I tried this. And it was amazing. And I tried this radio frequency thing. And it worked great. And I'm like, well, great, you know. So... That is just a give and take in terms of knowledge. And I think it's up to the consumer nowadays to, and this is really what I like to value my practitioners and my clinic as is we're a place of, of well-being where we can really, that's people tell me that they walk into clinic, they're like, it's good vibes. Like that's number one thing. It's good vibes. I want good vibes. Cause if I have good vibes, you're going to have good vibes. That's first step to healthcare. I was going to ask you about like the mental health element. When you look at and I've seen this with with professional athletes where I would speak to, you know, the physios on professional football teams. Mm. And you have one guy who injures his hamstring like every single time he plays. And like you speak to the physio and he's like, it's not his muscle anymore. Like it's in yeah. his head. Like what is your take on like the, the, the connection between like your mental state and potentially other recovering from injury or reoccurring injury or whatever. Look, a maybe. physical injury is a physical injury. You can't just say the hamstring injury is in his head. Like, I mean, you get chronic pain that's in people's heads. You know, like I'm always a fi- fibromyalgia. And again, I don't mean to offend anyone who has fibromyalgia, but it's, it's a, d- a diagnosis that they give you when they don't know what to tell you. Uh, you know, they say there's 25 trigger points and 11 out of 25 are active. Well, yeah, all of us are sore if you touch certain areas. Uh, so I hate when people come to me like, I have fibromyalgia. I'm like... Okay, well, we'll talk about that. We'll question that diagnosis. It's just a diagnosis. Doctor tells you, here's meds. Yalla, go. And this is one thing I was telling my dad, by the way. A lot of doctors in hospitals nowadays actually get a cut from prescribing medication. And they actually have to prescribe a certain amount because pharmaceuticals have connections and partnerships with hospitals. They even have to send a certain amount of imaging, x-rays, MRIs. It's crazy. Like There's so much politics in the medical world. It's, It's a bit sad and disgusting, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, and I was telling my dad this, I'm like, you know, the doctors have to prescribe a certain number of medications to hit a quota. I'm like, you don't know this, but I know this because wow. I've worked with hospitals. We've not all, but a lot of hospitals, certain doctors are forced to send patients to this doctor and this therapist and internal referrals to fit a quota. It's an insurance billing. It's a very sad and crazy system. A lot of um, radiology centers will actually give you a cutback. 
that we decided to stop all of this since the beginning. We're like, no, we don't want to cut back. Give that discount to our patients. But they'll pay you for referring to them. This exists every day, you know? So the system is super, super, super crazy in some ways. So it's just educating, educating the customer and educating the client. So what was what, the question? Uh, mental health link. With Completely went off. Yeah. So when somebody tells me like, oh yeah, you're constantly getting hamstring injuries. It's your mental health. If somebody is in a bad mental place, maybe they're not sleeping well, they're not eating well, they're not hydrating well, therefore creating physical damage. But there's no way your depression is causing chronic hamstring strains, like if, especially if you're an athlete. If you're not in a bad place, you're not in the mood to play, you're not this, you're not that, for sure. Uh, chronic pain would cause more tension pain, constantly headaches, you know. But if someone's getting a repetitive injury, you need to look at their biomechanics. Why is this person doing that? Maybe they need to slow down. Maybe their mental health, they're, they're in so much stress. When you're under a lot of stress, what happens? Cortisol goes up in your body. And you're not able to form. I have experienced that firsthand, chronic, constant injuries. Right now, my heel hurts. I never get, I mean, I used to get a lot of heel pain when I run. And now I know that when my heel hurts, it means I'm not sleeping enough. I maybe increase the load too fast. I'm not doing enough recovery stuff. So inflammation. 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 Why do we get inflammation? Because there's something, inflammation is just a trigger. It's your body telling you too much, too quick. You have to look at the system. Okay, if I'm not willing to take down my training, what do I need to do? I need to sleep more, maybe drink less, eat more inflammatory, drink alcohol, not water less, <laughs> um, eat better, you know, recover better, stay on my feet, get off my feet more. Before I was like, no, ibuprofen. This now I'm like, no, no, I'm not gonna take things to mask the pain. I need to find out what the root cause is. So definitely, there's a huge connection to mental health and physical being. But I won't say the, his stress levels cause his. Hamstring is just the system is all connected. Yeah. It's all connected. Looking at your mental health, yeah. particularly, like I'm sure going through operating a business like this has impacted you in phases. And yeah. obviously there's been ups and downs. How have you dealt with that? Whether, and by the way, I mean, offloading to my friends. <laughs> yeah. We can talk yeah. about the successes. Yeah. We can also talk about the failures. Right? I honestly, I've always, Oh, I wouldn't say always. I'd say the last six years been really strict about getting coaching. Um, I wouldn't say I have executive coaching. I've always done life coaching. I've done a lot of seminars, things like Landmark that helped me so much. Um, I'm now just about to start working with another coach. Um, I love alternative coaching. There's nothing wrong with psychologists and, and psychiatrists if you need that. But for me, I love the fact that there's so many of my friends, they study, oh my God, the stuff they study, they're amazing. You know, I, I've done so many different kinds of career coaching, health coaching, even life coaching, nutrition coaching. I've learned so much about food and not abusing food and using food as fuel because I think we all have this you know, a weird relationship to food because of our society and the way we're raised. But um, yeah, so many different kinds of coaching over the years. And sometimes I'll stop for a period of time because I get lazy and I'm like, I'm doing amazing. But like in deep inside, I know I need something. So I'll always go back to that. And I'm the kind, also the kind of person where I like to have different kind of coaches because I learn different things from different people and different coaches employ different strategies. Some of them work for me. Some of them work longer. Some of them work less. But I think it's so important to have someone to talk to who isn't your friends or family because your friends and family are always going to try to support you in their best way possible. And, and you know, they'll always they'll be your best supporter and your best, you know, like uh, I wouldn't say best advisor, but they'll I don't think that they'll give you a very clear and unbiased opinion, you know. So I'm really glad and very lucky that I have an amazing support system 
But I think that has been one of the biggest things that I will always do and I will always go back to and I will always invest in. Just as much as I like to invest in my physical health, I think investing in my mental health is so important. So important. I'm always listening to podcasts. I love New Robbins. I, lo- I love these things, you know. I-, I love reading. I love listening. And my mom is also huge in that. She's always talking about mental health because so, mu- so many of us suffer uh, from the heaviness of our mind. And silently as well, yeah. right? hundred percent. And that manifests more than anything as chronic pain, but it's really, really important to, to be, you know, people always tell me, oh, but you're so positive. I'm like, not always. Like you haven't seen me on my bad days. You know, this, the last few weeks with this whole weird retrograde thing, I don't know what happened to me. I was just so sad and I was in such a bad place and I didn't want to talk about it because also when I'm not in a good place, I don't want to see my friends. I feel bad for them. I don't want to offload negativity onto them because I hate when people do that to me. Um, but I just was felt like I was suffering. And then I, then I, that's when I decided actually, I'm like, I'm going to start coaching again. Like I, I just feel like I'm tired of being a shitty person or a sad or negative person. I'm sure it also has to do with the fact that I wasn't prioritizing my sleep and other things. For me, sleep is the most important thing in feeling good. I value my sleep so much. You know, some people tell me I only need five hours. No, bullshit. Even males, by the way, men do this all the time. I'm perfect on six hours. No, you're not. Anything less than six or seven hours actually reduces your testosterone levels. So over long periods of time, you will get screwed. Yeah, Sleep is everything. And I've seen that with mostly people who haven't experienced what it feels Mm. like to get eight hours, right? Mm. Like I, I have always, I mean, thank God, but I've always slept eight. Um, so good. I don't get enough sleep. I I just, I, I don't function well without getting eight hours. Me too. Even if I get seven, by the way, I'm not a pleasant person to be around. So getting those eight hours is, is key. And, um, how do you go about like prioritizing this now? It took me a long time to learn to say no. You know, I just like, I have FOMO all the time. So I'd be like, yes, yes, yes. But now even like on a weekend back in the week, I'm like, oh, it's Saturday night, I'll sleep late. It's fine. And then it just really screws me for Sunday, Monday and just bad start to the week. So I'm really learning to say no, really prioritizing my sleep. Um, I feel like the older you get, the more you, you learn, you're more in tune and in sync with your body. And honestly, I'd rather see my friends and connect people when I feel good. And that's during the day or even having nice dinners. But like for me, midnight, I'm out. Like I want to go home. I want to sleep. I also very in tune with my circadian rhythm. People tell me, ah, oh, I sleep at 3 a.m. It's fine. I'm a night owl. There's no night owl. You're, you're fighting your circadian rhythm. Your metabolism slows down at night. Everything wrong can happen when that, you know, when you just mess up your sleep. We were made to function with our circadian rhythm. So I try to sleep early, wake up early. I love seeing the sun in the morning. I love watching the sunrise. It just makes me so happy. And it puts me in a great mood. And that's probably why I'm always so positive and happy. It's just, I function with the sun. And I realize also like, when you don't sleep, or your hormones are first out of balance, but then you start craving sugar and stuff, you just feel terrible overall. So if I want to control my food, and that's something I really try to work with because I have a very weird relationship to food, like a lot of people, I, I use it as joy, you know, food is fuel, but like in our, my culture and our family and stuff, maybe them coming from a culture of lack, you know, we, we really celebrate and get together over food. And I don't want to abuse that either. But when I'm tired, I just want sugar. Yeah, And I don't want to put my body through that. I work too hard and on, you know, being fit and healthy and feeling great. So I don't want to be sugar. And that all comes from sleep. Do you have like any particular tips that you can give in terms of improving sleep? 
I do like a really nice routine. I love my nighttime routine. Like I, there were times where I just literally go out and I come home and I pass out. Like I treat my house like a hotel and I have a beautiful home. I've worked so hard on making my home a beautiful space. So I hate that. Once or twice a week, I will go out with my friends and see my friends, but then I, I try to cut it early. Uh, but I think having a routine is really important. Like I take my, I take magnesium with 5-HTP 30 minutes before I sleep. I love this brand of magnesium uh, that I take. I'll, I'll send you it to you, uh, but it's like a marine magnesium. Um, I just like my routine. You know, I wear my PJs. I make my chamomile tea. It just helps me get into that wind down. I am bad with my phone. Sometimes I do end up scrolling, but I try to put red light on or I try to kind of take myself away from that. Um, you know, I do. I just do my routine. I brush my teeth. I moisturize. I, I do things that tell me like it's time for bed. I even have these magnets because I find like I was going through a period of insomnia and a friend of mine was like, I found these amazing magnets. I don't know. It's like it changes apparently the magnetic frequency of the room, whether it's placebo or not. I don't care. Mm. Um, I just turn it on and I set it on like the intensity of what I want. It's like a certain frequency for a certain period of time. I say, okay, let's say seven and a half hours. Boom set my alarm and I'm like, okay, I sit in bed. I don't read as much as I used to. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but sometimes like I'll listen or I just try to, I have a wind down routine. So whatever works for you, even if it's 10 minutes, create a wind down routine. I think that's so important. You know, I'm packing my stuff for the next day. Cause usually I leave at home at like five 30. I don't come back till after work. So I'll pack my stuff. I'll put everything in its place. So I know that body is ready to sleep. Otherwise I've suffered with insomnia a lot. And I know that's because that's when I'm just constantly running, 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 running. And we live in a really fast paced environment. So you need to create that stillness and that slowness, breath work, whatever works for you. You know, everybody has their own thing, but create a nice nighttime routine, best thing in the world. And how did you go about going from insomnia to sleeping better? It was, was it? it was just really, I was in such a bad place. I was, I hated my work. I hated my friends. I hated my family. I, I, was, I was angry, you know, because for me, just like you, sleep is everything. And for everyone, it is, you know, it's, it's where we recover. It's where we repair. It's where we regenerate. It's where we clear our minds, where mind switches off. So it's really important to sleep. But then I started looking up sleep tips and sleep help. And, and, uh, you know, the, my friend got me that magnet. So that helped a lot. I went, I went through a phase where I was taking a lot of melatonin. I don't, I don't take it now, but I needed it just to help me fall asleep. I mean, there are days where I took melatonin and I couldn't sleep. Imagine. So I was like waking up like a wired zombie in the morning, like so wired. And I'm like, what? You just feel like you're high off that, you know? And it's sad. I see so many people abusing Xanax and like, I've never taken Xanax, like taking many other things, but not Xanax. Like, why are you abusing antidepressants it's to sleep so unnecessary your body if you're not sleeping it's just like if you're not going to the bathroom if you have bad digestion there's something wrong we're humans you know we have system our body works on system if there are things that aren't happening in your body there's a problem you know some people say oh i haven't my digestion has been so bad i haven't gone to the bathroom in three days there's a problem you know this is not healthy it's not normal if you're not sleeping Definitely, yes, we go through phases. I really believe in the moon shifts also, like we are energetic creatures. So there are times where, yes, you might experience insomnia. That's fine. Your body is just resetting. One night is okay, but long periods of time is not okay. So people need to, there is headspace, there is meditation apps, whatever you find. But I find more than anything, my exercise routine, like if there's a small period of time where I'm not, okay, if I don't sleep well, I tend to not work out. But what I try to do is work out first thing in the morning, it really helps me like set my mood for the day and then I'm exhausted by the time. Mm. Do you have a morning routine outside of the working out piece? <sighs> no, I mean, I like to work out first thing in the morning and give myself a little bit of time 
before work, but like I get up always fasted, always train fasted. I have my espresso, like for, you know, drink water first, but espresso water straight out the door. Like if I give myself 10 minutes to think about it, I will not go. So yeah. <laughs> straight at the door. Like most not. Yeah. You know, I can't. So even sometimes on holiday, I'm like, oh, I'll have my few coffees and what? it's never going to happen. Like just need to get up and go. And that also helped my digestion. It helps everything. My mental, I don't look at my phone, just I'm out. And then I come back, then I just shower. I, I try to read, answer my email. I try to do that before I start my day because when I start my day, it's just crazy and I can't really focus on anything else. So um, I'll try to read something that's not Instagram or Facebook or not my emails. You know, I've subscribed to a lot of newspapers. I know. I hate watching the news, but I love reading newspapers because a lot of them have nice, nice sections. Like they have story sections or just nice and short and concise. And you can just get some knowledge or information or I do newsletters that my friends send. And then I'm ready to start my day, you know, make my other coffee and I'm in the car on the way. Supplements also. Also, I take a lot of electrolytes in the morning. Uh, I find that that just, I don't drink enough water. I'm too busy during the day. I don't have enough time to pee, but I feel like if I get all of that first thing in the morning, when I come back, have my breakfast, I'm ready. That's the other thing too. Like a lot of people, oh, intermittent fasting. Again, it works for everyone. I need to have my meal in the morning. I need to balance out my blood sugar, especially after training. I find also women hormonally need to eat in the morning. We need breakfast. And if you're not hungry in the morning, again, there's something wrong with your digestive system. You need to check that out. So you should listen and understand to hunger cues and you should be getting hungry. You know, that's another thing I find a lot of us just eat because, oh, it's one o'clock. I need to have lunch. I need to have dinner, but I like to eat when I'm hungry. Sadly, at work, I can't always program that because I'm I'm stuck to a certain lunch break, but I love to feel hunger in the morning. That's one of the nicest feelings because it means, yes, my digestive system is actually working. Yeah, it's a good indicator. Such a good indicator. Yeah. We shouldn't be eating when we're not hungry. We're so used to it. We live, we're so... We live in a very generous environment and we always have food in front of us. Everything's available at the click of a finger. But, you know, back in the day, if a lot of people are carnivores and whatever, then if you want to follow a certain diet, then you should be also listening to your hunger cues. You don't eat when you're not hungry. And a lot of us eat when we're not hungry and that affects our weight and our mood and how we feel and our blood sugar levels. And um, so I find that that's my favorite thing in the morning, actually feeling that hunger. So good. I think this morning routine that you have... One of the things that I always feel with myself is like it really sets up my yeah. day, right? And like if you don't do it, then yeah, you just feel so different. Like what what I for me what's what started making the biggest difference is one, not looking at my phone. Mm. So whenever whenever you do look at your phone first thing in the morning, like you're completely allowing external yeah. influences to impact you. And especially social media. Sometimes it just makes you feel bad about yourself. Like I love social media because I've learned so much. I get so much inspiration from it. But we always sometimes get this FOMO. Like sometimes I look, I'm like, oh, I'm here going to work and somebody is like on the beach and I know Mykonos. (laughs) But like you're constantly having FOMO because everyone's showing you their best life and their best version of themselves, which is great. There's so much inspiration. But at the same time, if you're constantly wired to that, you know, like there's like a time and place for it. And I think you need to be ready to absorb that. So like, that's why I'm doing it first thing in the morning. Like similar to I'll go through my entire morning routine. Yeah. And now that's actually changed. Like now what we started doing is like we go to the beach first thing. Oh, so, so like nice. wake up, uh, just put on board shorts, Yeah. drive to the beach, like jump into the water, meditate, so nice. yeah. go for a walk up and down, go back, cold shower. And like that's when I look at my phone and that's when I have my coffee. Yeah. You're and in a good mental space. You're in a good yeah. mental space, which means you're ready to absorb whatever life hits at you. Because like social media is one thing, but imagine you get like, a work message yeah. or you get 
like an email from your bank or whatever it is that just puts you in a bad mood. Yeah, yeah, imagine waking up to that, right? Versus like, okay, at least being mentally ready to deal with. Yeah, one hundred percent. And that's why I also like to wind down before I sleep because imagine going to bed angry from a bad message or a bad email, or you're thinking about it and it's in your subconscious and you sleep on it and it's horrible. So you know, I wish I had more time to journal or meditate or whatever. I mean, my movement is my meditation, but I definitely feel through movement. I feel so much gratitude, and I have a big gratitude jar. A friend got me once, and you can write little notes and throw it in there. And I don't do it as often as I do, but just coming back from from fitness, most of my stuff is outdoors, driving, watching the sun in the morning, the empty roads just makes you feel so alive and so happy and so grateful. And that's why I find for me, I love to do to have that as part of my routine. I get to connect with friends at the gym or I go to yoga and then we grab a coffee. And it's just so nice. You feel so lucky. And so, you know. And your exercise routines are usually with other people? Um, if I run, yeah. I mean, now I really like to socialize over sports. Just such a nice way to connect with like-minded people. I change my workouts every day. I don't like to do the same thing. I do a lot of yoga nowadays too. I love, love yoga. Yoga for me is one of the most beautiful forms of meditation. Power yoga. Like I want to be upside down and I'm so limited in it that I love the challenge of yoga. There's incredible teachers in Dubai, amazing studios. I find it so grounding. So I'll try to do that and then I'll mix it up. I go to a CrossFit class or fitness class or just constantly getting inspired and learning from my environment because also I'm in musculoskeletal health and the, the biggest lessons I've learned through treating others is how I've applied it on myself. I know what feels good and what doesn't. I need to subject myself to all kinds of sports because I also, I've done everything. I've tried everything, you know, because I, I want to know what feels good, what doesn't. And I need to understand what people put themselves through. And you'll realize like what type of injuries people 100%, have. hundred so, percent. Like yeah. why someone in jiu-jitsu getting elbow pain? Oh, well, they're gripping the gi so hard that of course they're getting inflammation. So now I understand that, you know, before I'm like, why is someone in jiu-jitsu getting elbow? Is it always like arm bar? No, it's actually from the grip, uh, chronic grip. So just, so then I'll be like, okay, well, you need to work on your grip strength. You need to do release work. You need to do other things. So I'm able to understand what they're going through. Otherwise, how am I going to understand what they're going yeah. through? But I don't subject myself to that. It's like when I came to you, I came to you, I think it was a month ago or something with an Achilles issue. And guys, let me tell you, like, it's gone. <laughs> um, and it's because you've gone through it. Like, yeah. you understand, okay, you don't have to stop running. You don't have to take this. You don't have to be on that. Like, totally. just focus on X, Y, and Z. Very simple. Like they don't have to be complicated things. Hundred percent. The body, honestly, the body is so simple. Yeah. Like you study so much anatomy, and but the body loves system. It loves structure. Uh, it, it is so simple, really. Like I've seen hundreds of thousands of patients over the years of my work, and no matter whether you're old, young, fit, not, it's the same. We're all made the same. We just obviously exposed to different environments and we come from different communities. And so we have different habits and and whatnot, but the body is the same and it's so simple. The body just needs constant change. We're 3D organisms and in 3D environment and we need constant stimulation, different stimulation. That's also with running. Like that's why I like to do other things. A lot of runners come to me, my knees are killing me. I'm like, we're always moving in one direction, Mm. you know, teach your body to move in different directions or my back's killing me from sitting. Well, you're in so much compression. There's no circulation in your glutes and your pelvis. So obviously, you know, you're going to have issues, even reproductive issues, even like, you know, issues with so many different organs because you're sitting for long periods of time, there's compression, there's no blood flow. But you learn that over time, you realize that every person is the same. You just need constant movement. So movement is life. That's something I've learned over time. And that's why I also love sports so much because it gives me life and it, it gives me a different way of thinking about people and things. 
What do you, so obviously Dubai is a much more sedentary place than most countries. Everywhere is sedentary. You'll yeah. be surprised. I mean, people do walk more, I'd say in Europe, but the entire world has become sedentary. We're, we're all computer and tech based. So this is what life has brought us to and is blessing in so many ways because we've had amazing connections and we can do things that we've never been able to do. But um, trust me, it's not just Dubai. People around the world don't move as much as they should. There's so much obesity. Um, people just don't understand their body. They don't know how to feel, mm. you know? When they feel pain, they don't understand the pain. They don't understand what's good pain and bad pain. Um, and that's another thing sport teaches you. It also teaches you how to suffer a little bit. And I love the suffering of sport because it makes you resilient and everything else. You know, I, I've done ultras, I've done weird stuff. And I wouldn't say weird stuff, but like extreme <laughs> things, you know, what, what what people consider extreme. Because yeah. if you think about it back in the day, I'm sure people ran 100K from this, this marathon I ran, the comrades, it was actually created because one guy ran from a city to another to deliver a letter. Wow. So someone did that. So, but yet for us, we're training for it. It's an extreme sport, but that used to be normal. For yeah, people. and even people today, to like if you look foot. at refugees or you look at, you know, people escaping from... People swimming across oceans. Yeah. People, I mean, have you seen that new movie with the Syrian sisters who are Olympic swimmers now? No. They they were refugees and they the boat motor stopped working. And we usually watch the movie and they, they pulled the boat in the sea with refugees. Wow. They, were, they were really good swimmers. Um, and now they swim for the Olympics for the refugee. That's um, incredible. Yeah, really, really, really amazing. Really amazing. So our bodies are made to move. And, and I always say like, how sad is a person's life if you don't know how capable your body is? Yeah. Your body is capable of amazing things. This is one of the reasons I'm doing the ultras, to, yeah. is to understand. I also embrace struggle, yeah. but at the same time, I want to just show to people that our bodies are capable of so much more than you think. Yeah, our bodies and our minds, honestly, because you'll see in the ultra, it's it's mental. 80% mental. Physically, you've trained for it, you'll be in a good place. The human body can accomplish amazing things, uh, but it's all in your mind. You know? And that's why I, it's a bit extreme, but I love David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me. Yeah. It's amazing. Like the things that this guy's capable of, like not everybody has to do what I do, but definitely push yourself out of your comfort zone, whether it's in your physical being or even your work. You know, I guess people are always complaining about their job. I'm like, if you're not happy, leave, do something different. Like you can't live your life feeling stuck. Yes, we're not always in the best positions and situations, but I see people with, I mean, today I was getting my nails done and I, I love the girls who work there. They're always having amazing conversations with me. And I don't know, I was conversing with one and, and I, I don't know how I, we spoke and she said, oh yeah, like I had my baby seven months ago. And I said, where's your child? And she said, my children in the Philippines. And I was like, what, seven, like you left your baby at two months? I, I mean, I hear this all the time, but I'm like, wow, like my heart's with you. I really pray for you. You know, I can't imagine leaving, like I, I you know, my dog for like yeah. for a day. Like this woman's left her child with her parents. And the, the woman who was also doing my nails, the other one was like, yeah, I have four kids in the Philippines. And I'm like, when was the last time you saw them? Like three years ago. Oh my God. I haven't been able to go because COVID and I just started a new job. And, and, you know, they've given up their life for, you know, their children. And I was just like, Ch-. I said, and I complain, you know, I'm having a bad day or I, whatever, a bad breakup or about this or about that. And, and these people have given up their life and the kids are miles away and they don't know when they'll be able to see them and how resilient as a person, you know, and as a mother, like your body goes through a lot of hormonal changes after a child. Imagine the postpartum depression from the separation, not having that bonding with your child, the hormone. I just can't even imagine, you know, and People are so resilient and people are going through so much. And sometimes, I mean, 
we can't only compare our lifestyle, but really, if you look at the bigger picture, like we are so lucky. Yeah. Uh, and we're all just lucky to be alive. We're lucky to be on this earth for a reason. I was just talking to another friend now who's, you know, his dad's had like a, the doctor gave him a very, very peril diagnosis and said he only has a few months to live. And and I was telling him, I'm like, do you, do you question the meaning of life? Like it's so sad. Loss and grief is the hardest thing, the, hard, the hardest emotion. But what about the joys of life? Like in these, in these hard moments, can we appreciate the joys of life and like all the blessings that we've had to be alive, to be to really not take things for granted and just be grateful for everything we have, the connections. And this is why, like, I don't want to be on bad terms with anyone. I don't want to be angry with my, you know, like a patient, I tell them, I'm like, you're not happy here, go somewhere else. Like uh, my employee, you're not happy here, go somewhere else. So go, go be happy. We have such a limited time. Don't waste life. Yeah. And a friend of ours, just got a tattoo on his leg, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which I really feel, you know, like that it really hit home for me because we're all going to die at yeah. some point. And how do we choose to live our life on this earth? How do we choose to make a difference as small as it is in our community, you know, and within ourselves? Like I want to live the, my best life possible within my ability. It doesn't mean I want to become a multi-billionaire. It doesn't want to, we all have our own journey and we all have our own destiny, but how can I live my life making an impact every day on, on, on someone, on something? And, and one of my coaches had told me this, you know, we live so much for the future, but we really forget about the present, really forget where we are today. And I, I've been guilty of this so many times where I want to be and where I want the clinic to be and where I want the business to grow. But I forget to just be grateful for what I have right now and what I've built. And a lot of people always ask me, like, are you proud of what you built? And I, what do you, I don't, I don't, I haven't even understood that, but like, you know, I always feel like I'm lacking. I haven't given people enough because I, when you do things for money, you're, you're set to being on a schedule. I, I want to see four patients a day and see them for an hour and a half each and love them and connect with them and move with them. And, but I can't do that. You know, I'm running a business at the end of the day. I can only do my best in, in what it is. And, and the future is an accumulation of all your amazing days now. You will have an amazing future if every day you're giving it 110%. You know that you're on that right path. But we worry so much about the future and the past both things that we can't control. All we can control is the present. And that's for me what mindfulness of being present is. And I can come today and show up as my best self here with you, show up to my run as my best self, show up to everything I can as my best self. We'll all have our ups and downs in that moment. But if I can constantly bring my awareness to now, the present and being here, um, I don't think anything could get better than that. How have you gone about like doing that? Because I think everyone has their own way, but like, because a lot of people, Honestly, yes. when you look at anxiety, yeah. it's, you know, the future exactly. and the yeah. past and the this and the that. Like, how do you maybe, you know, give a tip on like, okay, cool. In order to be here, right here, right now, like start focusing on yeah. X. I've, I've hit rock bottom before. Um, people used to tell me, oh, it's on your phone. I'm like, yeah, but I'm a doctor. I need to be available for everyone all the time. But I realized... When available for everyone all the time, I'm not available for myself. I'm not available for those around me. And people can wait. No one's going to die. I'm not an ER doctor. You know, like I'm not that important. And it comes from my ego and the fact that I thought that I was that important, mm. you know, and that, me working on that and realizing like at the end of the day, I'm nothing. I'm a speck in the universe. You know, I'm poof, can go tomorrow and the world will go on. Everyone will go on. People will be sad for a little bit, but they will move on. Yeah. So. I am nothing at the end. So I need to come back into how can I make today? I want you, Stefan, I'm sitting with you right now. I want you to feel important. I want you to feel loved. I want to see how much, if I want to make an impact, I want to see how I can bring out the best emotions in you, positive emotions. So 
that's something I learned through coaching and through working on myself. So I just try to be as a, as present and as mindful as possible. What do you think is the biggest reason that people don't live in the present? Stress, life, expectations, you know, our phones, constantly believing that there's something better out there, not having the education and awareness about that, you know, like, look at it, look at our environment. Yeah. Every time I see someone, they're like, when are you going to get married? When are we going to be happy for you? And I'm like, I'm so happy right now. (laughs) Why are we constantly living for the next thing? You know, when are you going to have another kid? When are you going to get a better job? When are you going to do, when are you going to live your, when are you going to, what is your next holiday? I also, I'm guilty of asking people that because I love travel so much, but every day is a holiday. I want every day to feel like a holiday. Yes, when I go away on holiday, it's even like I have less rest and I love the environment and nature and trees and getting a different stimulation. But I want to live my life like every day is a holiday. You know, I want to look at the food I eat and say, wow, I'm so I'm so lucky to have this amazing thing in front of me. And I just try to be more mindful about that. You know, the other day I was sitting in the kitchen and, and one of my staff, she was looking at her food and she just like did a, a you know, a prayer signal. And I was like, oh my God, I don't appreciate my food. Like just constantly being aware of the things that, you know, we're so lucky to have. You know, I was sitting in my car the other day and I'm driving to work and I was like looking, I looked at the metro. I'm like, my God, I'm so lucky to be in the comfort of my car, listening to my podcast, driving to work and getting there in 20 minutes, which gave me another 20 minutes to run and sleep and have my coffee. Whereas I could have taken the metro, which is great, but takes an hour and a half. Like I have the, the pleasure of time. I am so lucky. And I think when you start writing down gratitude things, because yeah. always like when I, I kept a gratitude journal, I'm like, every day I'm going to write the same thing. I'm so grateful for my friends. I'm so grateful. But with time, you start to realize like anything, the practice, they're particulars, you know? I'm so grateful for this oat milk that I drink. Like how how lucky are we? Who's going to make oat milk? Yeah. You know, I ain't going to make that out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I'm so grateful for like everything, the little things that we have that we're really, really blessed to have. And I think once you start to practice gratitude, you start to realize like it's really the smallest thing. And I think yeah. if you do it, like you can do it in several ways. Like like one is obviously writing them down. And um, and I, I would recommend to anyone listening, like going as specific as possible. And like, not just focusing on, you know, I'm grateful for my friends, I'm grateful for my family, but like, 100%. what happened to you today? It could be minuscule. Like yeah. someone held the door for you, right? Oh, like, I love like that. talk about that. I love that. But also then, you know, don't just do it when you're writing, like just moments when you're, when you're eating, when you're with friends, when totally. you're with whatever, just like take a second and be like, wow. like Totally. And something I learned from coaching is, uh, I learned this from many coaches and it's bringing back your emotion to how you feel in your body. So you know how we all have the masculine and the feminine. A lot of us operate in the masculine because we're constantly rushing and masculine is the performance. It's the, it's the strong, the fast pace. The feminine is the nurture, the slowness, going back into your body, to your emotion. And we all have the masculine and the feminine, but I feel like a lot of us have stopped feeling. We stopped recognizing how we feel. How do you really feel? Do you feel sad? Well, it's okay to feel sad. Enjoy this feeling, appreciate, understand where it's coming from. And the more you connect to feeling, I find the more you're able to express gratitude because if you feel content or you feel happy or this feeling of gratitude, you can't, I'm so, I'm so grateful, hashtag grateful, but what is gratitude? What is the feeling you feel when you're grateful? And label it, right? Label like it. like totally. if you're feeling it and if you're feeling sad, that's okay. But just be like, okay, I'm feeling sad. Like, let me just embrace and to, that feeling. Embrace that feeling and embrace, you know, this journey that you're going through, like the sadness, because you can't feel happiness without sadness, you know, and it, it helps you also 
going back to connecting to how you feel helps you slow down. And that's why gratitude and mindfulness come so hand in hand together because it's not like, I'm so grateful. It's I'm grateful. I really like, after I finish a run, I'm like, wow, like I just did that. Like I look, I'm like, I ran all the way to that building around all of the city and back here. Like I just, I'm in awe. So the gratitude is awe actually. It's a feeling of awe. I'm in awe of myself. Like that just puts me on another high, you know? And that's, I feel like uh, that's where we should work on that. That's the mindfulness that we should work on. Like I love the stillness of meditation and whatnot, but I think when we're just trying to bring ourselves back to our present moment and, you know, I, I feel so grateful for, you know, being able to have the luxury to sit here and talk with you in this beautiful place. And, and it's just a feeling of like contentment and achievement and, really try to connect with how you feel. And I, I think a lot of us are confused with those feelings. We don't understand those emotions. Um, and so we blame our external environment for for anger or fear or whatever it is. But if we bring that feeling into our body and we realize also with feeling and something that, that I learned in Landmark is, let's say we're, we're in a confrontation and you did something to upset me. Instead of me telling you, Stefan, you did this and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm victimizing because I'm putting all the blame on you. But if I bring it back into how I feel, like, you know, I'm realized like, oh, wow, the situation made me feel like this. And why do I feel like this? If I can just communicate with you, like, you know, this happened and I feel like this, then you're aware of how I feel. And you're going to be like, oh my God, I didn't mean to make you feel like that. Like, that's not my intention or, or this was my intention. Instead, you, you misunderstood me because we really misunderstand our environment. We misunderstand everything. Everything is a product of how we are raised, our environment, nature and nurture. We have all of each individual is so unique in our being that... We, none of us have the same experiences in life. None of us, you know? I, I look at me and my brother. I mean, we're so similar. We grew up in the same household, the same parents, yet we're so different because we were subjected to different environments. So yes, we have the same beliefs and the same, I'd say, uh, upbringing in terms of the, the culture and what we were raised, the values, you know? But we were exposed to such different things that we can't expect to be the same person. Yeah, and even the way so, you speak to each other, right? Like 100%. It's totally so I can different. tell him this is like this and he can tell me, no, this is completely different, yeah. you know? So we have to respect that we're all so unique in our ways. But I just think that when you, you bring yourself back to understanding how you feel inside, then you have a better understanding of the entire world. Right? Yeah, and I think building presence or like building the ability to be present is very important. Super important. I think it's tough. Like it's often tough to do so. I think something like exercise helps a 100%. lot. And we spoke about this before we started recording. Like you can run without music, yeah. right? Like for a yeah. lot of people, that's difficult because it's potentially boring. Yes, fine. It's because we're used to noise. But also because we're used to distraction. Yeah. So one of the reasons that a lot of people struggle to be present is because we're so easily distracted mm. by our phones, by Netflix, by whatever else. We struggle to spend time by ourselves quietly because right? we're not used to being bored because yeah. boredom is considered bad in our environment and all of a sudden like a tough thought will enter your head but you distract yourself like you don't mm. deal with it right so you tomorrow like you go for a run for you know two hours without yeah. any sort of tech now what's going to happen is any tough thoughts that enters your head you're going to have to deal with that Right, no choice. Hundred percent. If I'm listening to something, that's my distraction already. Like I don't have to. Yeah. I don't have to think about anything. Like if I have my phone, I can scroll through my Instagram. Like I don't yeah. have to think about anything. So when you're jumping from, maybe from a meeting, to lunch, to then your phone, to then this, to then that, like you never give yourself the ability to one, be grateful, to two, be present, yeah. to three, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think that's also something that like, you do very well. Like you take your time 
for your morning routine and your yeah. exercise and like really being with somebody. And then in the evening, like your turn down routine, which doesn't involve your phone, yeah. right? It doesn't involve technology. Like it yeah. involves you spending quality time by yourself. And trust me, I have, like I'd say majority of my day, I am distracted. And I, especially when I'm at work, it's, it's tough when you do something again and again for long periods of time and, and you're in any job. We all find that, right? At the end of the day, no matter how much you love what you do. And I tell this to a lot of my friends, they're always like, I'm so bored of my job. I'm like, you think I'm 24-7 on a high? Like, there are people that come in that suck the life out of me, you know? I'd say, like, I have people that come in that give me all the energy force. Like, they're my energy force. And I love to speak to them, connect with them, and and love them and give them. But like, you look forward to it. 100%. It's like like any interaction in life. And there are people that come in and just, no, it's the complete opposite. And they don't don't even want to speak, you know? Like, you just feel like a negativity in the room and you're just... uh, you know, so you do what you can. It's anything you do in the world for a job. There's nothing that's perfect, you know, and we see that from the outside. Oh, my dream is to do this and do that. Great. If that's what you really want to do and you want to give it 100%, do it. But there's nothing in life that is perfection in terms of how you're feeling. But like you said, if you can find your routine and you can connect to how you feel in every moment, I think that's really what, that's true health. Imagine you, you're you connected to, I ate this food and it made me feel terrible. I wouldn't eat it again. That's yeah. learned behavior. Or I was in this environment and it didn't make me feel good. Well, I won't put myself, then you would constantly feel great. Then you'd constantly feel great and there's nothing else that you'd want in life. You'd be so intuitive. That's real intuition that you know what it's like to be in this environment and perform to the best of your ability. You know, it's just being connected to how you feel. And I know when I when I overwork, I don't feel good. Therefore, I don't do it anymore because then I can't give. If I feel like shit being here for, you know, I'm, I'm again, we're in an environment where we're it's glorified to be an overperformer and over. And I don't want to overperform. I don't need to be everywhere. I don't need to be the hardest worker. I don't, I don't need to do that because at the end of the day, all I have is me. I care about the longevity of my health. I care about how I feel 50 years from now. Yeah. You know, I still want to feel amazing. And if I burn out now, I would glorify burnout. I hate that. Yeah. You know, I hate, I'm so busy. I don't, I don't even use the word busy anymore. I hate that word. I used to use that word. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I don't say I'm busy. I said, I have other priorities right now. I'll find, I'll see when I can fit this into my schedule. When it's important to me, why do I need to say yes all the time? You know, and it's the same for every person out there. We really need to realize what is our priority, what makes us feel alive, what's good for us. It's not it's horrible to be busy. On the on the contrary, like being bored is, as we were talking before, is it's one of the best emotion feelings in the world because that's when you spur creativity. Yeah, freedom for your mind is boredom. That's how I can't remember we were talking about this. They were talking about like kids. Like when we were growing up mm. and there was no technology, no nothing else, like, and you're with your friends and you're bored. Like, what do you do? Like you invent a game yeah. or like you go and play sport yeah. or whatever it is, but it's creativity, right? That's, that's the result of it. Yeah. Which is super interesting. Super, super interesting. I think another thing that, that like you just mentioned and kind of spurred a thought is like everything is temporary, right? So like good emotions, bad emotions, etc. like everything is temporary so mm-hmm. if you're feeling amazing know that it's not going to last yeah 100%. if you're feeling horribly know that it's not going to last and um and I, i've started embracing that recently where it's like okay i feel horrible but like this is not this is not something that's going to last forever unless you're like you have depression or you have other things that are you know chronic anxiety or something you need to address why you're feeling this feeling for long periods of time like you said there's no feeling even if you feel happy all the time there's also something wrong like yeah you have to you know <laughs> i mean it's it's 
You know, there are people that are, oh, I'm always great. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm great. I'm great. I'm like, no, you can't always be great. Like there's ups and downs to everything, you know, it's the energy balance, yin and yang. It's normal. But that's when you need to address, okay, well, I feel bad all the time. There's something wrong. I need to speak to someone. I need to get help. Mm. I need to, I need to find that balance again. Uh, but you're right. Nothing is, nothing is permanent. Yeah. That the thought came to mind when, when we, um, what were we talking about before? Anyway, like something, something spurred that, but like totally true. I think yeah. if, it's about understanding your emotions, yeah. like about labeling it. So, and knowing that whatever you're labeling is not going to last. hundred percent. And learning to bring yourself back to present. Like you feel this for a while. Can I bring myself back to feeling good again? Can I yeah. bring myself back to being me? Like sometimes like I feel terrible. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to cancel all my plans, go home, relax, watch something fun on TV and try to get a good night's sleep and see how I feel tomorrow. Yeah. If I'm feeling the same thing again and again, then there's something wrong, then I can pinpoint that there's something wrong. But if I have this feeling for a day or two, yeah, it's, it's you know, there's great days and there's bad days. It's completely normal. We're human at the end of the day. So it's it's important to feel our humanity. It's important to, to feel that presence and, and to constantly be open to learning and evolving and growing. And, you know, emotionally you evolve as a person. I was talking to a friend the other day. I'm like, I, I miss feeling that puppy love. And she just gave me the, the eyes, you know, and I'm like, look at everybody in relationships. Like there's no more puppy love. And she's like, and and what do you think? I'm like, that's healthy. Like how unhealthy were we when we were young? That hormonal obsession with anything, you know, yeah. whether it's a bag or shoes or a human being or, a, you know, like now I'm just like well, I'm obsessed over things that were ridiculous, you know, like now I'm obsessed with feeling amazing. Nothing externally can make me feel amazing. That is so true. Nothing externally, only internal things. No person, no, no thing. item, no thing, you know. And this is why, by the way, I love Marie Kondo. I'm a huge fan of like... I love you. Thank you so much for serving me. I constantly clear stuff out of my life. I hate hoarding. I purge all the time because we need to not be emotionally attached to anything but ourselves. Yeah. You know, we need to love and give, but there's no permanence in life but our body and ourselves. Yeah. Nothing, not another human being, not another nothing in life. You know? And I talk about this pretty much in every episode, but like when it comes to attachment, because I'm obsessed with this concept of attachment, yeah. where it's like, what are we attached to? So things it could that be, make us feel amazing. Or or it could be like things that are that we're attached to could be like, okay, it could be your phone, it could be your laptop, it could be things. It could also be like oh, go for it. <laughs> it went away. <laughs> I'm like, it's coming. It's coming. It could yeah. basically be like we could be attached to like things like your phone, your car, your this, your that. Yeah. We can also be attached to people. Yeah. Right. Or like your family and like these sort of things. And I always ask, I'm like, if everything gets taken away from you, mm. are you going to be okay? Yeah. Right? Like if, you're, if your phone gets taken away, if your laptop gets taken away, but also like, you know, if you People. think about family yeah. and friends and these sort of things, like, and it's okay. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being attached. Like I'm attached to my wife. I'm yeah. attached to my family 100%. Like if anything happens, I'm going to be devastated. Right? Do I have the ability to bounce back? But you know, I read something really interesting the other day about loss and grief. So let's say, God forbid, something that you're so attached to as a human being is taken away from you. Let's mm -hmm. say, okay. Grief, actually, they connected that emotion to guilt. It's long-term grief. I'm talking about long-term grief. Of right. course, I grieve losing anything in life, especially a human being. But they associate long-term grief to guilt because it's you feeling like you haven't done enough for that person or that thing. And I found that really interesting. Do I, do I agree with that? I don't know. I'm don't still know. exploring think... that, but I thought it was such an interesting concept because there you see people grieving for years and they're not, again, they're not ready to come back to their presence where 
the losses in the past. It's no yeah. longer the present, right? I think whatever you like, you lose a relationship, you lose a thing, you lose a whatever. I mean, I lost my my favorite shorts yesterday. I was, I was still grieving them, but, like, <laughs> but I'm like, where are they? Where did I put them? But I'm like, why am I attached to this thing? Like, it made me feel good about myself. That's why, because it makes me feel good about myself, and uh, I have guilt that maybe I haven't done enough to make that person feel good about themselves or that thing. So it's really, really interesting. I think there's some truth in that. I think there's some truth in that. Like I learned, I mean, this was years ago when I went on like a silent retreat and I spent a lot of time with, you know, Tibetan Buddhist monks and, and like they, they almost celebrate death. Yeah. Right. It's a celebration of life. Yeah. And, and I've, I mean, I've kind of taken this approach and I've, I've always had taken this approach. Like whenever I lose someone who's dear to me, I hundred percent, I'm sad, right? Like I'm, yeah. I am sad for, for some time, but I, like when it's time to go to the funeral or whatever else it is, I see it as a celebration. I don't see it as something that's, yeah. it's sad, 100%. And, and it's, it's beyond sad. It's, it's you know, like it's so much harder for us on this earth because we we lose the touch, the humanity. We lose the humanity. We lose that person in our life. But I agree with you. It's I want to celebrate someone. And that's why I try to celebrate my the people I love every day. You know, I want to yeah. celebrate our connection because I never want to feel guilty down the line that I didn't give this person that I love so much enough of me, of my time, yeah. of being my non-distracted time, you know, of my presence. And and I try so much to work on being present because I haven't been for a long time, you know, too, fo- too focused on my job and, and trying to be something and be someone. But I realized all I need to be is myself here in, in the now. And that's the best gift you can give someone, you know, like having dinner with someone when they're on their phone all the time is just, I've had that with friends and I've had that with people. And I, I know I can check my phone and put it down, but I try as much as I can to be there, to connect to them, to love them. And, and, you know, a long time ago, I was working also with one of my therapists on, on my family. I have an amazing family. I love them so much, but I constantly feel like I'm not giving enough. And, and I'm like, I used to blame them. And she's like, it's not them. It's you. Do you feel like you're not giving enough? So she's like, I want you to try to spend two undivided hour attention, like the two undivided attention hours with your, let's say with your parents. I just put my phone away and I realize they're on their phone more than I am. But like we sit there on no phone and we really get to connect. And that two hours is better than any, you know, period of time. It's just really, really soul, you know, connection. Yeah. And that's something that's so important is it's hard. It's hard because we're so distracted, but it's so important to be present, to try to connect with the person. And I feel like that will take away from that chronic grief or chronic stress or chronic, you know, like how could you be sad when you really spend quality time with someone and you leave, after, even if we spend an hour together and it's really deep and, and I leave feeling great. Like I it's gave like you and you gave me it's the fuel. fuel, exactly. The energy. Yeah. Life is energy, right? Everything is energy. It's give and take balance of energy. And if, if I give you and you give me, we're feeding off each other. What more can we get? Yeah. And I think these things that like you learn through experience, fortunately and unfortunately, like when you look at like, you know, overworking and presence, in my opinion, are pretty, you know, connected. Yeah. And like, because we've both been in situations of burnout and whatever else, like be, as a result, you're like, okay, cool. I'm not going to yeah. overwork again. And as a result of that, maybe you said, okay, I need to be more present with the people I love. Yeah. Like all those things are connected. 100%, yeah. Uh, and they're so, so important. So important. So important. And setting boundaries also, my God, like it's so, that's one of the hardest things I find in culture and everything, but learning to set healthy boundaries 
where you're like, okay, no, but like if somebody also tries to cross these boundaries, just say like, I really need the space. I need this to reset. And if, and if you love me and you're happy for me, like sometimes like I cancel plans and someone gets super upset. I'm like, well, I'll make it up to you. Like if you are happy for me, you should be happy that I need to rest. You know, you should be happy that I need to, I need Making to rest. Priority, so huh? yeah, like my life is crazy. So if you really are my friend and you love me and you care about me, you know that I want to I need to rest. You need so. to be understanding. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no. empathy. But yeah, health, health, and wellness overall is, is honestly simple. It's so it's so emotional as we talk, we talk about emotion and 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 mental well being. The the last half an hour, you know, just how you really feel, being in touch with how you feel, where you are in relation to your environment. You know, loving yourself as an individual, appreciating who you are, appreciating how you feel, uh, feeling the best that you can on a daily basis, making an effort. Like that's fitness is one of the things that makes me feel my best. Connecting to the ones I love makes me feel one of the best. Sleeping well makes me feel my best. Not, they couldn't be healthier than that. Yeah, and, and you know, if you know what you love to do, like try to spend more time doing that. It's pretty 100%, simple. 100%. Um, okay, we've been speaking for an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> I feel like we just started talking. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think there's so much more to cover, but uh, we'll definitely have you back on. Where can people find out more about you and DISC online? Uh, Instagram's easiest for now. Uh, we're relaunching our website, but uh, disc is at disc underscore Dubai. Very soon it's going to be at disc underscore UAE as we open our new Abu Dhabi clinic. So um, that's very exciting, but uh, at disc underscore Dubai. And I'm at uh, D-R-T-A-M-Z-Y-G, so Dr. Tamsi G. Uh, I'm, I'm always on my phone, so I'll get the ping. <laughs> so I will connect with you. I don't ignore anyone. Uh, but if you need, if you have any questions or you want to connect in any way, form. I would love to always connect. And if I could just leave people with one lasting message, really try to connect with yourself, even in terms of disease. I've seen so many people experience disease and suffering. And I always tell them you have the answers. Like if you really listen to your body, your body will tell you everything. You will know what's going on with you. So just try to be more mindful, more intuitive with how you feel. Uh, if you're going through something physically, uh, you know, there's so many different things, but even pain, back pain. I always tell someone like, you know why you got this pain. Tell me, tell me why I don't move. I don't do this. I don't do that. It all comes from within. So if you can work a little bit more on slowing down and being more mindful of how you feel, then me and your surrounding environment can help you to where you want to be. That's beautiful. Um, well said. Thanks for being inspired. Thank you for having me. 